Scripture reading for our meditation today is taken from the revelation given to St. John and uh, his tour, if you will, of the city of God in heaven. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter into it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. About five years ago, my family and I were in uh, Colorado for a little vacation. It was just a few years after uh, marijuana was legalized in Colorado. And as we were walking around looking at different shops, I came across a cannabis shop. I thought, well, this would be interesting. So I went inside, inside to see what this was like. And uh, it was strange to suddenly see something that had been such an illegal substance being sold right out in the, right out in the middle of everything. But there was a t-shirt in there that kind of cracked me up. It said, money can't buy happiness, but it can buy weed, and that's close enough. <laughs> How badly people want to escape the the down-feeling gravity of this world, to think that if we just take some leaves and crunch them up and burn them and suck it into our lungs, it'll change our minds enough that, that maybe that's really the, the best thing that we can get. And for some people, that that becomes their little paradise. I had a classmate when I was here at Bethany who in a conversation with me one day said, if there's no pot in heaven, I don't want to go there. Just think how ridiculous that is, how, how little it takes for us to, to think that alleviating just a little bit of something bad in this world can, can make us feel good enough that, well, maybe that's what heaven is like. And we, we all long for sensations and experiences and things that we can get in our world that, that somehow lift us a little bit out of the fallen state that we're in here in this world. But from the perspective of heaven, and the glory that's waiting for us in heaven, how trivial these things are, how meaningless and silly and, and small and insignificant they really are. And, and on top of that, how short-lived they are, how short-lived it can be. Even the best experiences that we can have in this life or the things that make us feel good for a little bit of time, they always have a shelf life to them, a deadline, an expiration date. There's, a, there's always a certain ceiling to how how good we can feel with something from this world and this life. But despite all of that, boy, we try to find stuff if we can. We try to chase after things that are going to make us feel better and lift us up a little bit more in life and give us a little bit greater pleasure in this world. And how little it kind of takes to distract my heart. How little it takes of looking for stuff like that to kind of throw me off in my spiritual life. Martin Luther said it so well. He said, you can even take a penny and hold it up to your eye and it'll block your view of heaven. 
That's how little it takes in this world. One time after teaching a women's Bible study, a young mother came up to me. She had three kids that were probably in the lower grade school age. And she said, how do you keep your children focused on going to heaven and on the importance of going to heaven when, when there's so many other things going on around us in this life? The description that St. John gives us, and we're just looking at a snippet of it from the book of Revelation, the description that, that God gives us here is it's, it's almost hard to fathom because it's just so otherworldly from what we have here in this life. This city that he is describing for us. Just notice a few things about it. First of all, there's no more need for temple worship. There's no need for a temple anymore because all of the sacrifices, all of the blood shed by those animals in those temples, in that temple through the years, all of that has come to completion in the work of the Son of God. When Christ died on the cross, he was the fulfillment of all of that. And so there's no need for the temple any longer. And, and really, that's a comforting thing for us. We may read over that and, and think, well, well, yeah, there's no temple. But what that, what that really means is this, that the, the payment that it would take for you to be in that city of God someday, it's already done. It's been taken care of. There's a comfort in that statement. The fact that, that there's no need for the temple because the Lamb is the temple, the Son of God himself, the one who gave his life for you and for me to pay for all of our sins, he is the very temple. We're told the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And that means the atonement for, to get you there is done. It's complete. It's finished. A commentator by the name of Daniel Deutschlander says this about Christ's death on the cross. His sacrifice has placed us, as it were, in the Father's lap as his dear children. Isn't that interesting? that the death of Christ has now placed you in the Father's lap. That's just such a, such a neat image. We also learn here that the glory of God now lights up all the life in heaven. It truly is a city of light. You know, Paris has the nickname of being the city of lights. A lot of people think that that's kind of a neat uh, slogan to, to give to a city. It means it's so beautiful. And actually, the reason for that name for the city of lights for Paris is because there was so much crime in the 17 and 1800s that they told people that everybody should leave a candle or a lamp in their windows. And the, the city decided we better put more street lights out because there was so much crime and evil taking place. What irony. This truly is a city of light. God himself is the very light. Listen again. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. There shall be no night there. Just like thinking of the shepherds waiting that night, taking care of their sheep, and all of a sudden the angels begin to sing, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. In their case, they were terrified. But in our case, in heaven, because there's no longer the pale of sin that we're living with, there won't be any terror to be in the presence of the glow of God and his glory. And unlike this life, being in, in God's presence is a greater glory than all the wealth of, of even the greatest kingdoms here on earth. We're told the kings of the earth bring their glory, their praise, and their honor into this city. And then I love this statement. It says, the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. 
from all the corners of the earth, all the different places where the gospel has reached people's hearts and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have claimed people in the waters of baptism around the world. From all the corners of the earth, people from those nations will now be walking in that light. Last summer, I was up on the North Dakota State University campus for a couple days for a conference. And while I was up there, I went over to look at their athletic facilities. And this young man came out, and I had to ask him uh, some directions. And we had a little 30-second conversation. He was clearly from a different nationality than I was. And I noticed he was wearing a beautiful crucifix on his chest. And at the end of our conversation, I said, that's really a beautiful cross that we're, you're wearing. And we talked for maybe 30 seconds about being a Christian and things like that. And then we said goodbye. And I was wonder, what's it going to be like bumping into him in heaven? What's it going to be like running into those fellow believers from this life that, that maybe you just had a little passing conversation with, and in heaven, talking about that again and trying to remember what that little moment on earth was like and where we had that contact with each other. No longer will the effects of sin be experienced. It says, its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. They used to shut the gates of a city when you were afraid of attack, especially at night. There's no need for that. There are no enemies for us in heaven. All of the, all of the enemies we might have are confined to hell itself. So there's no need to shut the gates anymore. And there will be, it says, there shall be no, uh, by nothing that defiles will enter it. No more will there be a, a gnawing at your conscience about your sins the way you have here in this life. No more will you have any kind of fear or trepidation about having to approach God because that's all going to be gone. It already is now because of what Christ has done for you. But in this life, we still live sometimes in that fear. So this is the city that we want to live in. This is the city that God has already given you through faith in your Savior. And no matter what you have to go through to get there during this lifetime, it will be worth it. St. Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You're probably at a stage where you're starting to think it'll be great to get home for Thanksgiving or Christmas. And that's wonderful. This is the home you really want to go to. Amen.